Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a 30-minute or 40-minute or 50-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. So usually, guys, uh, when I record an episode and then when it comes out, they're closer together. This gorgeous episode on vaccines, we actually recorded on January 21st, so I've had it in the bank for a little bit, but here's the thing. When this episode was recorded, I had just heard the beginning of what was becoming the measles outbreak in Washington and New York on the news, but we really didn't know yet because it wasn't that it, it hadn't proliferated so much. It's interesting now that two months later, we find that these outbreaks are still happening and there continues to be like legislation that's since been proposed and come out and there's been a lot of controversy around it. So obviously vaccines are always controversial. They're, it's, it's a thing. So today I'm joined by Dr. Nina Shapiro, Director of Pediatric Ear, Nose, and Throat at the Mattel Children's Hospital UCLA and Professor at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA to come and tell us a little bit about this hype around vaccines and medicine and what is the tea with vaccines hunting. Welcome to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Nina Shapiro, author of Hype. Honey, I love this book. I love the title. It's a doctor's guide to medical myths, exaggerated claims, and bad advice, and how to tell what's real and what's not. I need to inscribe that on the know-how that I'm going to learn from this book between my eyeballs. It's a tattoo right there. I need it. (laughs) So tell me, let's qualify a little bit about what made you, well, not qualify, but what made you want to write the book? Tell me about it. So the book was a long time coming, and it was really based on a lot of my experiences. I live in Los Angeles. I have friends in New York. So I'm very aware of what we're hearing socially, and I take care of families. So I hear a lot of nonsense, and I've been in medicine for two decades. So you're an internist? I'm an ear, nose, and throat Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Ear, nose, and throat. And so, but you work with families. I work with families because I see, I see kids. And a lot of the things that I'm hearing and the questions that I'm getting are good questions because people care about their health and they want health for their families. But I feel that there are more and more buzzwords coming in there, natural, organic, GMO-free, vaccine-free, you name it. And it's all this nonsense that's not scientifically based. It's no, There's no evidence for any of this, but people are incorporating it into their lifestyles thinking that it's healthier. And actually a lot of it the nonsense that we're getting as far as information for our health is bad for our health and dangerous. Well, so, I mean, I think when I think of um, news and like things that like really scare me when I read on the news, like there's, I feel like, you know, clickbait is a thing, like, you know, creating headlines that stick and, and, you know, kind of poke the bear of people's feelings on whatever topics it, it it drives a conversation right so like when i see a news story of like a tragic accident or you know something with a young person like i always i don't want to click on it but i find myself clicking on it you know what i mean i, I read the story and i think that with vaccinations it's like one of the a similar one of those things that you like right. click on that you know right um and and i have also seen like even just right now like today there was there is a outbreak of something some, measles. Yes. In Italy or 
something. Washington. It's all, there's a lot of local stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tell me about the local stuff. So the local stuff, you know, measles has been back. Measles was something that we didn't see for many, many years because everyone was getting immunized. Yes. And then the measles vaccine got vilified because it was. The MMR. MMR. The dreaded MMR causes autism. And that was really everybody's terror. And so people started, stopped immunizing their kids. And so now we were seeing for the last five to 10 years, we see these pockets and now the pockets are getting bigger and more frequent of these measles outbreaks. And some of it, a lot of it's deadly and certainly very dangerous. And it's very, very contagious. And we haven't really seen, like, I don't think I've seen measles in my life, like not in, not that I knew of. Right. So what does it look like? Does it look like chicken pox? It looks a little worse than chicken pox because it's usually like chicken pox. You think of like those spots, you know, randomly all over your body. Yeah. And and we'll talk about that because now there's a chicken pox vaccine. So we don't see chicken pox as much anymore. And measles looks more like head to toe red spots all over. And it has this kind of quality to it, a little bit bumpy. And the kid is usually pretty sick, a little sicker than chicken pox. So really high fever, lethargic, they can bright red eyes. So it's usually a much sicker child than a child with, with chicken pox. Was this era of – oh, yes, of course – Yes, yes, yes. Was this era of, um, was this latest round of like anti-vax um, sentiment the first time since we've had vaccines that they've ha- that it's happened? Like, have people been leery of vaccines since they first started? And yeah, that's all. That, that's a great question. So anti-vax sentiment is as old as vaccines. So the first vaccines were in the 1700s, and it was this guy, Edward Jenner, who found out that the milkmaids didn't get smallpox. Remember, smallpox was that old old illness that we don't even immunize because it's eradicated. And he tried a vaccine on a, on a little farm boy, you know, just on his own. There was no HIPAA violation. Yeah. There was no consent. Just here, try this, try this thing I'm making up. And it worked. And so people started wanting to get an inoculation. What was it? It was a little bit of cowpox virus that he would give to this child, and which is really what vaccines are. It's a part of the vac- of the virus. So in the 1700s, honey, there's smallpox. And that's like that one that you really look messed up you with smallpox. You are so badly you, messed up. Yeah, you are so messed up. Yeah. Like it's yeah. everywhere. And like you really probably don't live if you get it, right? Yeah. Like don't most people die? A lot of people die from smallpox. Because in yeah. that one HBO special about... About John Adams, these people get right, smallpox in it. No, I was like, ah! Like the first, I was, I could not. I was so. And you guys, you know, right. let me tell you something. On some Sunday morning, when you have like a nice, strong, trusting chest of a man that you can lay your head into, honey, you go on that HBO Now app and you pull up that John Adams doc. It is so good. It's like eight episodes long or yeah. six, but it's so good. Um, but yeah, anyway, so you're probably gonna die from her, which is not good yeah. if you get the smallpox. Right. right. So, but he, but so. He noticed that the milkmaids didn't get it because they milked the cows with cowpox? Because they were getting exposed to cowpox and they were getting this milder form of it. And that actually protected them from smallpox. It was pretty amazing. Like back then, there was no real science going on, you know, to the degree that it is now. And he figured this out and he gave it a try and it worked. So there were some people who said, hey, give me some of that stuff. I don't want to get that nasty disease. And some people said, I don't want to be injected with cowpox. Oh, get he injected it. Me. Yeah. Well, it was like a little bit of like a scrape under the skin back then. Not an injection like we would think of now, but like under the skin. So, um, and this is, you know, like if you read some of the Hamilton books, um, you know, from Alexander Hamilton and the, and Eliza was going around giving smallpox 
inoculation. Oh, she was? Well. She was a good girl. Yeah. Oh my she God. That's cute. So, um, so. But some people didn't trust it, honey. Plenty of people didn't trust it. So anti-vax has been around for, for as long as vaccines have been around. And then later in the 1800s, when they realized in England and Massachusetts, you know, these, these educated pockets that all the school children needed to be immunized, then you can be a conscientious objector. The same term that we used to use for the military or that we used for the military, you can use then 200 and something years ago against vaccines. So oh. it's not as new as Hollywood anti-vaxxers. It's a whole new thing in Hollywood that we have these anti-vaxxers. And it really is. We are kind of a hub of it here in Hollywood. But it's been around as long as vaccines have been around. Okay, so this is I'm taking I'm veering right because this is and now I'm taking this to me and why I'm scared, honey. What if you get the flu shot, but then you still die of the flu? That happens every year, every year at this time of year. They always, you know, mention like the people who passed away of the flu that year. And then I'm always like, fuck, like it's going to be me. I, 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 I do, and not to be spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen Downton Abbey, it's your own fault. But I see Downton Abbey and I'm like, oh, my God, like, oh, my God. And yeah, like, oh, my God. But so but so even if the vaccines are not the right strain, it'll lessen your ability to get the flu. And then the other hard right that I would go from that question is because I'm just getting it all out because I just can't even handle it. Oh my god! It escaped me. Right, is I was about to ask it something about vaccines and if it doesn't work for you, I can't remember. Okay, well we'll so, start yeah. with the flu. Okay, so yeah. yes, we get that all the time. I the only time I get the flu is when I get the flu shot. That's complete nonsense. So you can't get the flu from the flu shot. That's the first thing. A lot of people say, I don't want to get the flu shot because every time I get it, I get sick and it gives me the flu. And so that's not true. You can't you just get feel, the flu. You, you might feel, feel the symptoms or something. And for also, you usually get the flu shot around flu season. It takes about two to three weeks to start working. So you can get exposed to the flu Got you've it. gotten the flu shot, and then you can get the flu, but it's not from the flu shot. So that's first of all. You're not going to get the flu from the flu shot. They don't know exactly what strains they're going to protect each year because they base it on the prior years. And what has been shown, and these are looking at millions of people, is that even if you do get the flu a year you've gotten the flu shot, it'll be a less severe case of the flu. Yes, people die from the flu. People died this year from the flu. And actually this year of all years, there's been an uptick in number of flu vaccines and there has been a downturn in hospitalizations for the flu. So yay, 2018, 2019, we're getting better. Because it was really bad last year, I feel like. Terrifying, terrifying. I mean, I can't imagine. It's just sort of like the same idea, like, well, you know, I don't want to cross the street without health insurance because what if I get hit by a car? I don't want to I don't want a day to go by without being protected from the flu. With a flu shot, I can't imagine walking around here not being protected. Right? But no. people p- people are more afraid of the vaccines than they are of the illness, which is, I don't understand that. So as an EMT and someone who works with families, like, what are, like, the things that you hear that you're like, oh, like, my, my can't handle it. Like, and you got to, like, kind of like when people tell me, that like, why they have to wash their hair every day. And I'm like, oh, my God, get it together, girl. Stop overwashing your hair. Dude, I don't wash my hair every day. No, that's great. Okay, but, you, but, like, what's your version of that? You know what I mean? Yeah, we've got a lot of... Um, Specifically related we, to vaccines. Yeah. So, I mean, one of them is the flu because yes. people don't want to get the flu shot. And and another thing is, you know, some of the, the the illnesses that I treat, you know, I treat ear infections and sore throats. There are actually vaccines that kids get that protect them from a lot of the childhood illnesses. So I'm really big on that. Um, chicken pox um, lollipop parties. 
we hear about. It's really popular. Oh yeah, no, when you yeah. when everyone gets them. Yeah, and it's but is that bad? Really bad because chicken pox, although. For the most part, those of us who had the chicken pox, yeah, it was a couple of days. It was no big deal. It can be deadly. And, you know, kids can die from the chicken pox. So why not be protected from this? But what if you, like, get vaccinated for everything and then your little immune system never had to fight anything off and then you have, like, a poopy little immune system? Or is that not a thing? It's not a thing because you, there are so many, there are plenty of other viruses and bacteria for you to be exposed to. So it's not like taking too many antibiotics and it knocks out your gut and knocks out your protection and you can't take other antibiotics. It's not like that. So you're not going to knock out your immune system and by doing too many vaccines. And and another question I get is, I don't want to get too many vaccines too soon for my precious, fragile, sterile child. And I want to spread them out. And and it's actually, you know, they're more they get more bacteria and viruses from a kiss on the cheek and from being born, certainly, or nursing. There's so many more bacteria and viruses that they're exposed to just being out in the world that that these these immunizations are actually a lot less. So I get a lot of I don't want to get them too quickly. It's going to make them sick. They're too fragile. And it's actually more protective and much safer to do it that way. So what about GMOs? (laughs) Okay, so most people don't even know what it stands for. Genetically modified organism. Very good. No, I know you would. I would hope you know. But most people don't even know what it stands for and what that even means. And and just by the terminology, it implies something bad, right? So it sounds genetically modified. So that's something I don't want. But actually, sometimes and some reasons for genetic modification is for good, right? So, for instance, if you're modifying crops so they don't need pesticides, well, that's a good thing. Which would you rather have, those quote-unquote toxic cancer-causing pesticides? Most of them don't cause cancer. Right. Most of them are very, very safe. But but GMOs sometimes minimize the need for pesticides or maximize the health benefit or strengthen the crops or something like that. So it's not always such a negative for GMOs. Okay, question. Not to cut you off, but this is the literal question. One time we had a guest on um, Getting Curious who had done a documentary with um, this amazing artist named Chow. And the documentary covers basically the effects it caused in his life due to exposure from Agent Orange. And I understand that, like, but yeah. I'm just trying to say that, like, there is, and also, I'm vaccinated for everything, Thank so you. I am. But, like, there is, there has to be a fear for why people do feel so, can feel so ardently anti-vax or whatever. And, and I think in the Agent Orange case, like, you had a government saying that there was, like, no harm, no foul, right. it's no big deal, it's absolutely safe. All the scientists say it's totes safe, no big deal. Right. Take a bath in it, no big deal. To this day, like, there are people whose parents, American parents, who are veterans of, you know, like, they can't even get support for like their exposure to Agent Orange and, and, and not to mention the people in Vietnam that like continue to, to struggle with it. So like, has there ever been any like really horrific things other than Agent Orange that like gave people reason to be scaredy kins? Sure. Of course. And a, and a lot of these things, you know, the GMO thing is one example, but you know, let's say, um, I don't know if you remember the, the drug thalidomide, which was a drug that was given to pregnant women to, to help with nausea. Just mm. like in, you know, now, now we have Zofran or we have yeah. Benadryl or something, but thalidomide, it was a great drug and got people through pregnancy until there started to become thalidomide babies where they would have limb problems. They would be born without arms or, or certain, you know, severely, um, you know, abnormal arms and legs and things like that. And so, but this was a drug that we thought as a medical community was a safe drug and an effective drug and a harmless drug. So certainly looking back, there are a lot of things that we can say, oh, this was actually horrible. Doctors used to recommend cigarettes. So, you know, there's a lot that we have to step back and say, wow, 
we were wrong. So I feel like that is a gorgeous segue for our first break. So just deal with me saying like, you know, an ad or two. It's probably going to, it could be an accent, you know, and it could be me with an accent on the ad. It could not be. I'm not quite sure, but we're going to get through this together. We'll be back with Morgan and Curious and more with Dr. Nina Shapiro right after the break. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Vaness. So we were just kind of painting the picture for what I think is so great about the book that you wrote, which is like, what is the difference between good science, maybe something you shouldn't mess with? How do we use our critical thinking skills? I'm really big on critical thinking, honey. I think it is really important to be able to like take the information and be able to disseminate between like what is fake news and what is like true for you, you know, but true for you in like a real way, you know? Mm -hmm. So what do we learn about this gorgeous book without giving all the way all the info to the children? But because I want them to buy it. But what were some of the things that you cover in this book and how do you use your gorgeous critical thinking brain? So one of the things that I start out with, and I think it's really important, and I think this is important, as you say, the children. So this, I think, should start in school early as a child has a computer is how to do an Internet search, it's especially when it comes to your health. I mean, what do we do when we have a symptom? I WebMD it and I freak out because I'm like, oh my God, I look crazy. I'm, it's, this, right. Is that not what I'm supposed Check to do? Check the box, yes. So, Or we Google it, and Google is now a verb. So you, we Google our symptoms, or we Bing our symptoms, or, however, or Yahoo, whatever, yeah. whatever search engine you're using. That's the first thing we do. And doctors do it too. And if it's something out of our specialty, we freak out too. So, you know, if I have a headache, I'm having a stroke. If I have an arm pain, I'm having a heart attack. Yeah. So that's it. There's nothing in between. And so it just teaches people how to do a web search, how to identify sensationalism advertisements and advertisements aren't necessarily wrong but they you have to understand that it's an advertisement sensationalism children if you don't know what sensationalism means <laughs> break down sensation no break it down for them tell them like how do you what is like a way that you can that you can spot it so anything that is incredible groundbreaking earth-shattering the most amazing results it's not true <laughs> it doesn't mean it's false, but it's probably not accurate. And it's an exaggeration. And that's what a lot about the book is about exaggeration. Not that it's wrong, not that it's false, not that it's fake news, although there's a lot of fake news in health as well. It's just this exaggeration. And that's what sensationalism is, is blowing something up, taking a story. And people will, their heartstrings will be pulled at some amazing, terrible story about some horrible event that happened. But what about the other 999,999 people where it didn't happen with that same event. Right. So, but that, but what's going to make it onto the internet is something, you know, some amazing sensationalized story. And that's what pulls readers in. That's what pulls your eyes in because that's, you want to read about one person. You don't want to look at a boring graph of some data. You're going to read about some horrible, you know, tragedy. But your goal is, is to kind of empower people with those thinking skills so that your day-to-day life isn't derailed with like worrying or being like ridden with anxiety over like whatever that, like, like that I looked at the eclipse for like too long. Oh my God. I, right. I, I did pull a Trump. I did look at it for like two seconds, but then I was like, oh my God. And You're once, okay. And then once when I was at six, um, the last time we had an eclipse, I did the same thing. But that time I was like convinced I was going blind, like convinced. Of course, terrifying. Very much terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. So sensationalism, I think that's a really important thing to be able to spot. And then what else do you talk and then about? I talk about um, things that we worry about. You know, we all worry, and it's human, human nature to Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I have one, I have one, I have one. 
all of last year, I was like convinced that I was getting the beginning of Parkinson's because I like sometimes I like twitch, like my little hand will like kind of twitch like that or like my little finger. And so then I was telling everyone about it that would listen, frankly, for months because I was really becoming something I was worried about. I was worried. But then my friend Jabuki said, girl, you drink like 18 coffees a day and you only drink like three cups of water. And when I used to drink that much caffeine, like, yeah, you'll get yeah. a little like, and ever since then I was like, oh my God, I feel, feel better. much better. It went, and it goes away. It does right? kind of go away. Right, yeah. Yeah. The power of suggestion, yes. Ugh. So yeah, there, but there's a lot to worry about. And, and what I talk about also is, yes, there are things you should worry about and things that you really shouldn't worry about or things you should just be aware of. You know, when- 2014. What happened in 2014? Ebola. Oh, right. Everyone, yep. everyone had Ebola because that's what was hitting the airwaves. Right. We were all seeing Ebola. It was all over the news. Did Ebola just begin to exist in 2014? No. no. It had been there for decades before. But and that was the biggest outbreak that we had. Biggest had. outbreak. But how many? So how many cases of Ebola were there in the country? I think. Well, I think thirteen thousand died. Yeah, about or? twenty thousand. Right. How many new cases of HIV were there that year? More two million. Mm. Okay, so but are we, were we talking about HIV in two thousand? And we definitely no. should be. And we right. definitely should be. That was old news. But, but now there's a new Ebola virus outbreak this year too. Right, and there'll be more. And it's it's a horrible, it's a deadly disease. But people will really, you know, what do we do at home in our home in you know Kansas or wherever? Because we heard that somebody in some airport had Ebola. And again, it's not that we shouldn't worry about it. We should be aware about it. But because it's in the news and it's front page news. That's all we worry about. And we don't wear our seatbelts. Uh, well, yeah, because right? it does kind of feel like, well, that Ebola thing felt like it could be like the beginning scene of like The Walking Dead or like, right. you know, it's a sort of Armageddon-ish. Right. This is how the world will end. Yes. This is this is the end of humankind. And right? then you're kind of saying more like what my dad says to me when I'm freaking out about something like, which is like, if you're in Wyoming and you hear hooves, think horses, not zebras. That's right. That's right. We say that in medicine too. Well, that's my yes. my dad's dad is a doctor, oh, so I like to, my okay. dad's favorite thing to say is I'm a doctor's son, and then my other favorite thing to say is like I'm a doctor's grandson. Even you know, better, yeah. you know, it's even better. But so okay, so that's that. So it kind of starts off in your like sensationalism, spotting your eye, like not being like, um, kind of thrown around so much by like some of the information that we take in, especially yeah. when it comes to health, yeah. because we are naturally scared, and, and so we should be about. Right keeping ourselves healthy, et cetera. So then what happens and in then, this gorgeous And book? then I talk about also that people, you know, and a lot of people have asked me like, well, I'm not in medicine. I don't know how to find a good website. I don't have access to all this medical nonsense. But it's, you know, it's also to empower people and say, no, that's not true. If you can read and you can read a website, you can figure this out. You don't have to be in medicine to decipher when a headline says groundbreaking study. And then you look that it involved three people. Mm. So it's, you know, a lot of it is empowering. I talk a lot about diet. So GMO is in there, definitely. Supplements. You know, what does it mean to be taking supplements? Do we need supplements? Yeah, what's the deal with that? Mm, Yeah, so for the most part. Not really, right? Most people are very, very well supplemented with a normal, healthy, well-rounded diet. That's why I I don't know if I want to include this. I could be shooting myself in the foot here, you guys, but I guess I'll go ahead and say it. I'm going to say it. That's why I have never endorsed a hair vitamin. Because I was going to say that's you why I've need ne- vitamins for your hair. No, I've never. I know people that take that. Well, stuff. I've never, I've never endorsed it because I had 
a lot of people have told me over the years that it's it's not that they don't work because but you have to take it every day at least for three months and you might grow like a little teeny bit right. faster hair right. like you, it might work a little bit but it's not like you're gonna all of if you've had 27 hairs on your head your whole life you're That's not it. all of a sudden gonna have waist length share center part hair because of right. this hair vitamin right you know and a lot of the people that do market it it's not the case I got a lot of flack for um a, a lot of uh, upsetness because I uh, did a partnership with Lipton and I and I love Lipton, but one of the tea because like they have like a wellness tea range and one of them was a detox tea, mm. but it had like dandelion and like grapefruit. It was like nothing like. It didn't Harmless. have, yeah. well, yeah, it didn't have any of those like, you know, diarrhea chemicals right. in it. Right. It was literally just, you know, a light tea. Yeah. It just had That's like, fine. it like literally, dan- it was dandelion, nettle, and grapefruit. Harmless. That was, yeah, there was, there was no chemicals in it. It was just yeah. a tea. But in the comments, people were like viciously coming for blood. Jonathan, how could you promote something like this? We expect more from you. This is, you know, oh, wow. body dis- yeah. this is body dysmorphic. How could you possibly endorse a brand like this? And with your followers, and I expect better from you of all these things. And it's like, if people knew the amount of endorsements and money that you turn down day in and day out, because, of, or at least for me, I, I know a lot of people that don't, but like that's, I haven't done gummy sugar hair, bear vitamins because I don't believe <laughs> That I think that you yeah. can definitely have, like, you know, your salmon or get your spinach or wherever else right. those little, like, those omegas are and get it that way. Like, that certainly has been what I've done. Now, have I been taking Propecia once a day since I was 19? Absolutely. And it works. It works Pretty like good. a charm. Pretty good. It really works that's like a charm. That's different. That's yes. not a supplement. That's different, right? She, that's, yeah. I love me some Propecia. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Well, because I feel like my hairline yeah. is just, she's not giving up on me. She's yeah. she's hanging in there. It's- Oh, your lips to God's ears, Jonathan. I just, I'm already, because every man in my family is bald as a bat. Like I'm wow. living on borrowed time. Oh, man. That's yeah, you I, better just I'm enjoying that stuff it. I'm just enjoying Well, you know, for Pisha, she's a pill, but I'm just, I'm just enjoying it while I yeah. have it. And then yeah. when I need to be bald, I'll be it'll bald. Be great. I'll be fine. Gorgeous either way. I'll just yeah. pull a lace front out of the closet and it'll be yeah, fine. It'll be gorgeous. So, in your, you said you've been in medicine for two decades. I know. I'm like 12 years old. So no. But have you noticed an uptick in the, in our catastrophizing or in our, in general level of anxiety? Like, has it always been this way? Do you think it's kind of just more of the same, like the climate that we're in now? I think, I think just that we have so much more quick access to information. And so we're so freaked out because we look on our Twitter feed or we look on our Instagram and we see something right away. And then you look again, your thumb is sore. And, and in the past, we didn't have that. We had the newspaper, we had the radio, we had the television, and everything was so much slower. So the news would travel so much more slowly than it does now. So I think everyone is like, what's next? What's next? And what's next? And I need to, I can't fall behind. Where's the, where's the latest outbreak? Was it, you know, was it in Italy or was it in Washington? Well, there were both. So, so I think because we have so much more ready access to information earlier and earlier, younger and younger. So kids know what's going on now that we're freaked out all the time because we know so much more. So you're minding your own business. Okay. You're at I don't know where you are. Maybe you're at like a basketball game of your children's or something. And How you, did you know? And you, <laughs> Were and you, you there? No, and you, and you overhear an anti-vaxxing conversation. Do you attempt to talk to them? Do you not? Do you like, do, like, this is not necessarily you individually, but like right. in our world, like, do we like, do we need to protect our herd immunity by like telling people like, like, what do you think? You know yeah, what I, mean? I mean, I think I do have the advantage of saying, you know, if it's something like that, where I feel like, you know, if, if I hear people saying, well, you know, I really, and they give their reasons why they don't want to vaccinate their kids or their family, then, you know, then 
I can certainly turn around and say, well, listen, you know, I'm a doctor and I, you know, I've had this experience and I understand your concerns. Maybe you can talk to me about, you know, I don't want to say you idiot. You know, I feel like saying you idiot. Why don't you immunize your kids? But I would I would probably approach them if, you know, when if if people are talking about, oh, I don't eat GMO or I'm vegan or I have this special diet, you know, it's their business. It's fine. But I feel like for something like that vaccines where it's not just a personal decision, it's a public health decision and what they do for their family affects every other family. They just don't even realize it. I think it is important to say something. It's like saying, oh, I think it's fine for my kids to smoke cigarettes. It's a personal problem, but it's also affecting the people around them. What is there ever a reason to not get vaccinated for something? Yes. Such as? So, and this is the reason why the healthy people have to get vaccinated. So if somebody is on immune suppressant medication, if they are getting cancer therapy or chemotherapy or any other sort of medication where they can't get vaccinated, the reason why we are a herd and we rely on herd immunity is that everyone else around them will be protected. And that actually physically is like a herd for them and protects that person who can't get immunized. Oh, so that's what herd immunity means. That's what herd immunity means. It's protecting the people who can't get vaccinated. Which is like maybe babies, like literal, like brand new babies, elderly. Tiny, yeah. Like, right. So, or like babies who get their vaccines, let's say it's a tiny little baby and they go to that basketball game and they haven't gotten all of their vaccines yet because they're still so young, they can get something like whooping cough or measles because they could be exposed to some unimmunized kid. But if the kids around them are protected, that protects that little baby. Oh, so that that's nice. So it really is kind of like a, it, it is, it is a decision you're making to, it is a decision that you're making to not immunize your, immunize your family. And it's more than a, it's more than just a decision for your family. Where can people really go to find their own research to determine if it is safe for them or not, or if it's like a government conspiracy or not? Like, Right. So the first one I would say would be the CDC site. But if that's government and people are, are uncomfortable with that, and I can understand there's certainly concerns with a government-funded website, but the CDC, Centers for Disease Con- Control, has all of the vaccine information. Um, the American Academy of Pediatrics. So that's a little less governmenty because it's a .org and and it's a medical organization that has all of the information about vaccines. And so those are probably the two biggies. The the NIH also has has good, but that's the that's National a little bit, Institute of Health, Health for right, but, England, which we love. Which is the same. Well, National Institute for Health is also American. It is. Well, you're thinking of the NHS. Yeah. National Health Service. Yeah. Go yeah. no, NHS. Yeah, they're cute. Right. Yes, they're. Yeah, they're really something. So, but the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, is in Bethesda. That's based here. So, but those are government funded. So, if you're if you're uncomfortable with that and you feel like there's a conspiracy, and actually most vax anti vaxxers are also anti are consp- conspiracy theorists. So it kind of goes together. But if you have that concern, the American Academy of Pediatrics AAP.org is a great site for vaccines, and it just gives the information. How concerned are you about like the anti vax movement and 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 the threat that that poses to like public health? It's a huge problem. I mean, we've just seen it blossom over the last five to 10 years. It's, it, seem, it seems like it's relatively new now, but because we have loud voices and we have voices that people listen to and it's growing and there's more and more sort of anti-government concern. Some of that anti-government is for good reason, certainly nowadays, but this anti-government that, that the scientists are out to get you 
is a little bit crazy. Right. I, so it, so the anti-vaxxers are, you know, it's exploding. I well, think. that's why fake news and why it's so problematic for Donald Trump to like paint such a distrusting picture of like journalists and scientists and, and you know, have those those seven words that the CDC isn't allowed to use in their research. Right. And I, mean, that is, I think that is problematic because it does breed this idea that you can cherry pick your facts and cherry pick like what works for you and what doesn't work yeah. for you. And, and that is not with public health, you know, and we saw this with how the HIV AIDS crisis was handled, like that can cost, and not only HIV AIDS, abortion for that right. matter. Like when you politicize health issues right. and put them next to like moral and religious things, you know, which a lot of anti-vaxxers, it's also like, it can be a religious thing. It's like, that is dangerous. Yes. You know, yeah. and and it's just conflating um yeah, I think that's just like a conflation of, of many things. It's it's confusing. What else goes on in Gorgeous Hype that uh, people really need to know about? Well, I think, you know, we talked about detoxes. You mentioned that tea. So, you know, detoxes, whether oh, that's a good actually, thing. actually, I just thought of one other thing. I'm really sorry. <laughs> you mentioned vegan because I was actually a militant vegan for like four years. I militant read this, vegan? Is that different from a regular Well, vegan? I didn't even wear leather, honey. I was really oh, worried wow. about it. And then I realized that like tires have like horse stuff in it. So I was right. like, oh, I guess I got to like not drive a car if I'm really going to go all out. But I didn't wear leather. I was really, I read this book called Skinny Bitch. I was really, really moved by it. I felt really, really good. I, I didn't think I was protein deficient or anything in that time. But do you think that being vegan is like a too extreme, like hypey? I think it's fine. Again, I think it's fine. It's a personal decision. I think as long as, you know, especially because there are a lot of kids now that are vegan, I think as long as you're getting, you know, enough protein and enough of a balanced diet, it's fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. Like, we're oh, just like, just great. get your rice and beans moment, Veg- get your... You know, now it's, you know, it used to be, oh, you're a vegetarian. Now it's what kind of vegetarian? Because there's so many different kinds. They're vegan and there's soy and there's not... So, you know, I think... But I think if people are doing it for, let's say, you know, a so-called allergy, because a lot of people think they have, you know, gluten intolerance or lactose intolerance, I can't have dairy, I can't have this, I can't have that. And then they put that on their kids. And it's actually just like maybe their kid had an upset stomach and it's not necessarily an allergy. I think that's a negative because first of all, you're making your kid crazy. And second of all, they could be missing on some nutrients for the wrong reasons. Ooh. So what what is that? Like, what is it that some people have that thing where it's like, ooh, I have like a glute, but then like they really, really don't, but they're just convinced that they do. Like, is that... Like a really mild case of like that one thing where like moms think that their kid's sick and then they like that Munchausen thing. Is that like a really? Not, yeah, not quite the Munchausen. Or it's human, it, or or just like human nature or something. So sometimes it's you know sometimes it's true. So gluten intolerance is a real thing, and there's celiac disease, which is an absolute real thing where it's a you get really really sick if you have any gluten, and that's the absolute real thing. But we all have that friend who said that they're gluten intolerant or a celiac, and then then they make you go to like all those special restaurants, but then at like eleven o'clock at night you mm. find them face down in a box of Pizza Hut, got it. and you know, and then the next day they're not swollen, their ankles are they're not fine. blue, they're fine. Yeah. So that's the other thing. That's you know what if you eat too much pizza you're going to feel sick and that does not mean you're gluten intolerant or if you eat too many bagels or if you have too much of all you know any sort of carb or bread you're going to feel sick that's not gluten intolerant yeah i think i've shown a really steadfast dedication to my through my gluten intolerance i've had you know pizza cookie after pizza cookie after pizza after pizza after taco bell binge after taco bell binge at night after night and i keep coming back for more i'm not going to claim some sort of <laughs> You know, I'm just You're kidding. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm just kidding. But yeah. but yeah, no, so it's, you know, some of it's real and some of it is just not real. And it's it's just, it's lumped into this whole area of, oh, well, I can't tolerate X, Y, or Z. So I have this special, special and I'm special, special. And um, 
again, it's a personal thing. It makes it makes it gives people control. I think a lot of that is whether it's control over your kid or control over yourself. But I can feel my incensed part just just chipping <laughs> up right now. Like I am, you know, soy intolerant or whatever for the people right now that are fuming and are like, this woman is a Bitch. fucking bitch. I get that. I'm used to it. I could take it. So, it's okay. so, you know, I know. But so what do we say to them? I mean, because like, where, how do we bring some JVN like love and compassion? It's like, look, I understand like why you're stressed yes. out. I understand like why, like, you and, know. And I think it's fine. You know, if, if you feel that soy upsets your stomach, don't eat soy. It's all good. We're all friends. Just get vaccinated. Yeah, just get <laughs> there's vaccinated. No soy, there's no gluten in the vaccines. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, a lot. Yes, I, I get, you know, um, it's true. People are very upset by some of the things I say because I say, you know, a lot of it is, oh, get over yourself. You're fine. Get over yourself. How come, you know, 20, 30 years ago, this didn't even exist? You know what? People have irritable bowel syndrome, which is a real thing. And people have, you know, certain intolerances that maybe has evolved over the last decade or two that didn't exist. But, you know, I think it's just taken to an extreme. And so it's kind of, yeah. and really what this book is and what you want to help people do is like, take that extremity and just learn how to kind of like moderate it so that you're not really throwing yourself into like through this whole rigmarole that you don't really need to do and and could actually prevent you from uh, feeling better. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is just to rein it in and just to kind of calm down a little bit. I think it's so easy. And again, we're so worried about so many different things. And then whatever the newest thing that we hear about, you know, it was Ebola. It's going to be something else. Zika, you know, Zika was after Ebola. So, you know, there's going to be another virus that hasn't that that we haven't heard of yet. It's going to make us crazy. Stand by or not stand by. But here's the thing. My grandma, I can say this about her now because she passed away in 2015. I loved her so much. She was so amazing. Her name was Ann Oakley. She was so cool. But she smoked a hell of a lot of cigarettes until she quit in like like maybe like 1989 or something and but the thing is is so she had really bad COPD right and so she ended up dying of of complications from COPD um but when she in the last like two years of her life you know she had a really bad cough she had like that fierce like Advair inhaler like Uh that blue or that purple one that really Uh worked really well for her um well, I would say to her, you know, like in Skinny Bitch, I read and I read, I think I've heard a lot of vegans and vegetarians say stuff of like, you know, um, like cow milk, a lot of dairy, like makes us make a little bit more mucus. Like I had heard that a lot. So I would say to my grandma, like maybe like try not like because she was like drinking milk. It was running away from her all the time. And I was like, if you're having a ton of mucus and you're coughing up like black balls of, <laughs> you know, concrete mucus from your lungs and it's a struggle, mm-hmm. like. Even if you believe that it's stupid and like Eastern or hogs wash or whatever, which she did, you know, she was like, that's stupid, stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like milk doesn't make you make mucus. No, it doesn't. Um, But she wouldn't even like try it. And so I think that I have felt a little bit of a frustration because I have a lot of I have a lot of doctors in my family. Like my grandpa was a doctor and then my dad's sister's two of her kids are doctors. So I've definitely like been around like. I know, like, that Western doctor, like, mentality of thinking about things. And my grandma would say, like, you know, if you said that to one of those doctors at Duke, you know, where we go for our physicals every year, you know, like, or not Duke, um, Mayo, you know, the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, you know, that's where we get our, we go to our physicals there once a year, you know, she would, like, that would be, like, her little thing. Would I be like, Ma, try not doing the milk? And she'd be like, that's hogswash, you know, they're fine with the milk. Do you think any Eastern stuff is cute as a doctor? Like, is there is it cute to try? Like, is it just totally? I don't want to believe it's stupid. No, it's not. And I do talk about that in the book that it's complimentary. 
Yeah, complimentary. Right? So that's, you know, there's a whole chapter on complimentary alternative medicine. And most people think like, oh, I'm just going to outright bash it. And it's all horrible. And it's not true. And that's why it's complimentary. So the key is that it's not alternative. So it's a complimentary alternative medicine. Which one is it? Is it complimentary or is it alternative? I love a complimentary queen. Right. So it's all about, so I think all the, a lot of the Eastern stuff is great. Because theirs is just much more preventative the way I've noticed it. Yeah, it helps. And, and it's. You know what? If you, if she drank less milk, maybe she'd be less mucusy. It okay. wouldn't cure her COPD, but she'd probably be a little. She would have been a little less mucusy. She probably would have coughed a little less. But you know, she felt like her milk made her happy. Yeah, and she loved her cafe français. It's all good. Yeah, so, she was obsessed right. with it. Yeah. So have you ever heard of like Ayurveda? Yes. Okay. So it's like that. I like because I feel like you know if you don't know what Ayurveda is, she's kind of like she's this like five thousand year old like ancient Indian like medicinal system that like yoga is like the physical therapy of her and like Aveda the hair company like a lot of their like their creator Horst Ruckelbacher like invented and was inspired a lot like a lot of Aveda's ingredients was originally pre Estee Lauder was a lot of like inspired by Avedic yeah. Ayurvedic ritual. I remember those things? Yeah, yeah and they're amazing yeah. and and so an Ayurveda basically like. It classifies people into like three doshas. There's like katva, pitta, and vata. And you take like a little quiz and to figure out like what you are. And most people have like a primary and a secondary. Very occasionally, I think people are like a blend of all three, you know, but usually you're like a primary and a secondary. And, but the way that that medicine system works is it's like instead of they, they prescribe a way for you to live so you don't get the cold in the first place. So you don't like get the thing in the first, you don't get the, because it's more prescriptive for lifestyle. Right. And I think that's interesting. I think that there is, it's kind of like that whole Republican thing of like, we don't want to pay for like any infrastructure, but it's like, girl, if you just like, if you do preventative infrastructure, you save money in the long run. Right. Yeah. So it is complimentary. And, and it's it, great. And it, and I think it works. And a lot of the stuff makes you feel better and makes you healthier and makes you more balanced and prevents a lot of illnesses. So no, I'm not, I'm not, not saying that all that stuff is hogwash, as you say. Oh my god, you know what would be fierce? I just had like a mini daydream, like really fast. It was like you and like a Christian scientist just doing like just duking it out, not like physically, but just like <laughs> physically ver- would be good. Oh my god, you're like I'm ready. I'm yeah. You're like damn it. I do yoga. Yes, but like what? Wh- what do you? What do what do we do about this? that's just we gotta respect it because we're just like Americans and we just are really about freedom of religion and stuff and just not everyone's gonna get vaccinated we just gotta find yeah. peace with it or something. Well, I mean, it's not you know I think again when we talk about something that's a personal decision, you know, I don't want to take antibiotics, I don't want to take aspirin, I don't want to take Tylenol. Um, that's a personal decision, and they'll you know bear the brunt of it or not, and maybe they'll be better off for it. But when it comes to something like vaccines, they have to understand that it's a public health issue and then what do you do do you sequester them and say well it's fine if you want to stay you know not vaccinated and with your community and then you may have the risk of getting that or do we incorporate them and put other children at risk and other you know weakened you know children with weakened immune systems do we put them at risk exposing them to somebody like that much not fair i was saying earlier about like um like, is there a way, like, that you could, like, get too many, like, too many little baby vaccinations and then, like, you make your little immune system, like, too brand new and she doesn't know how to fight anything or as to say, like, should I be, like, smearing my food on the ground before I eat it to try to expose myself to some gorgeous things? Like, have we become too clean and too afraid of germies? Great question. So th- the first part, 
No, you can't get too many vaccines. Getting vaccines on schedule, a ton of vaccines will not make you more, you know, too clean and too sort of immune exposed. But if you take too many antibiotics, if you are in a bubble, if you're not exposed to other humans, then yes, it can make you more susceptible to illness. So eat that dirt. So eat the dirt. What about like, what's the longest you would ever go without washing your hands? Oh, I thought you were going to say my hair. I'm like, no. That's, that's a question for No, me. your hands. You know, I'm a doctor, so I wash my hands like all day. So, but but and I don't you use really, that like that, you know, that antibacterial stuff that's really like the you don't. knocking. Well, I mean, we have some of it in the hospital, but in general, like when I'm home or if I'm just out and about in public and it's just like a regular soap is fine. Yeah. You don't need that antibacterial nonsense. So just like go to the bathroom and like, walk. okay. But so when I'm in the bathroom, like the airport and stuff, after just, I wash my hands, yeah. I do like to wash or to dry it off on the paper towel. And then I keep the paper towel to open the door. Is that smart? That's fine. I mean, it's the, the, the airport. Airplanes. That's another. What about level. our phones? It's disgusting. So you know, so in a hotel room, which one, which which item in the hotel room has the most poop bacteria? The bedside table. A remote. Oh, gross, huh? Gross. <laughs> wow. I just looked at my assistant in the other room. I was like, I hope you're ready to get those wet wipes and go wild on the remotes in the yeah. hotel room. Yeah. Wow. So basically, do you think that, like? The anti-vax hysteria is not new, but do you think that we are like too sterile, gross, brand new of babies or just some people have always been like that and we just need to continue to like have these honest conversations? Well, I think that, you know, the the contamination concept for babies has gotten out of hand. Oh, I just say babies, but I meant like, have we collectively, (laughs) like, have we all become too brand new and sterile of babies? Like, are we just a bunch of big babies? We're a bunch of big babies, but I think it's also, you know, we go both ways like, oh, you know, I have a sniffle. I want to take antibiotics. That's that's crazy. But I don't want to get vaccinated, like which is why is one worse than the other? So I think it's almost like mixed messages. Like we, we want to be too sterile in one way. And then in another way, we go into the hotel room and don't care about touching the remote, which has poop on it. Right. So it's like really it's like kind of just using um, averages, like averaging things out. Yeah. Like and, we just need to like moderate it. Yeah. And and you know what? You're going to get sick and you're going to not get sick. And it's not necessarily because one thing you did. You know, if you don't use the towel on the bathroom door, you know, you're not necessarily going to die the next day. But, you know, sure. Keep yourself clean. Uh, okay. I like that. I love that. Okay. So we've reached a point in the podcast where it's like if you go to yoga, you know, it's like what like is there something you really wanted me to like peruse by and we didn't we like didn't stop to chat about it like is there anything that you're like yeah there's like 18 things that I want to talk about that we didn't chapter seven no um I think that I think something that I like to come across to, to express is that people have a lot more power and control than they give themselves credit I I you know what during my book tour it was a lot of of the response that I got was like, well, how am I supposed to know? And I'm not medical. I mentioned that before. And I think that people have to understand that they can get more information than they give themselves credit. For instance, something like vaccines. How does a vaccine work? Well, you can probably find that out even online without having to go to some boring medical journal and understand how what the science of it is. You can find a very basic explanation for it or for any medical question that you have. What is gluten? Gluten is actually, is it a carbohydrate or a protein? 
She's a protein. Right. But most people, again, that's something that most people think of at gluten. It's a carbohydrate. Well, you just take it for granted because you think of it bread, right? So, you but know, she's a protein in bread. That's right. But who thinks of protein in bread, right? Pro- I do because bread. of naan. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, because there's a lot, because naan's got like a ton of a protein. A lot of protein, right. I remember like being in Trader Joe's and I was like trying to eat more protein this one time and I was like, oh my God, I'll just. Eat Put bread. crunchy peanut butter all over this. And when I was vegan, I was like, that's a shitload of protein. You know what has protein? Hemp. Whoa. Duh. Too bad you can't smoke your protein, <laughs> honey. I'd be like such a muscle you maniac. You boil it and the, and the steam comes I love off, it. Just right? give yourself a little baby facial and just feel amazing. Okay, so I think actually, um, Dr. Shapiro, I think I realized like what our Instagram content's going to be outside for this episode, which I'm really excited to create. Oh, yay. I'm, wait. Did I cut you off in the middle of saying? No, no, no. I'm good. Every but my thing is that everyone can find you can find out any information you want about any health question without feeling like you can't do it. And you just want to make sure that your source isn't from some dumb dumb like three person right. study that was right. like on yeah. a .net c like right. tl space like apostrophe yes. weird site. And if if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. That's such a good saying. And I think on that I note, it, yeah. no, that no, I, I can't, I can't say, I can't say on that note in the middle of interrupting you for the end of our episode. <laughs> I can't. It's like too devastating. I wish I made it up. No, okay, <laughs> that was perfect. You got it in. Um, well, and also that smile, honey. I finally, you finally like peeked out from behind. Like that's like oh, you have the prettiest smile. Thank you, uh, Dr. Shapiro. You. No, no braces. Oh my god, uh, natural. Oh my god, God was like in such a good mood when he made your teeth. Um, well, thank you for writing this gorgeous uh, book. Thank you for doing all of your gorgeous work as an EMT. And thank you. Oh my god, and Sanjay gave you a glowing review, honey. Thank you. We love oh, Sanjay. Me. Gorgeous. Yeah. Okay, let's go make our content. Okay. Muchos, muchos gracias. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Benes. My guest this week was Dr. Nina Shapiro. You'll find links to Dr. Shapiro's socials in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Follow me on Instagram, honey. Follow me on Twitter if you feel like getting gay as hell and mad as fuck, like I do. Um, our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, introduce a friend, show them how to subscribe. Getting Curious is produced by Cody Ziegler. Which, uh, code star, get better. We love you. Um, um, but he's totally fine if, you know, maybe we should cut that because I don't want him people asking questions, but, or not, and you're fine. We love you. You're going to make it after all. Mary Tyler Moore style. Um, Sarah Shammy, Yes, Queen. She stepped into this role. She's doing it. Julie Carrillo. Same thing. We love her. Ray Ellis. Yes, yes, yes. Mary O'Hara. Special mention. We're obsessed. She's just over here writing a goddamn book. Go about to get a Pulitzer Prize, honey. Watch out. It's happening. Um, and obviously, Kali Wally Anderson. Nicest boy of all time. Not as fault he's British. Not as fault he's cute. And we wish your country luck with Brexit. Don't